Hey, hey, welcome to the Jim, Joe, and Glenn show. Uh, we got a great show for you here tonight. We got some snakes on the table. We might be getting into a little bit of that uh, Keystone, Keystone Ale. Ale. Keystone Ale. And, uh, you know, we're getting into some of that top shelf. Hey, we got a great show for you tonight. We got a little bit of chronic on the menu, I think, that we're going to be talking about. Might be uh, on the menu a little bit tonight. But, Jim, uh, lead us on in, brother. Hey, Jim Kirk over here. Hope everyone's having a great day so far. Thanks for listening. Um, hey, just kind of a yak show tonight, right? Multiple, multiple topics here. I know we came in with kind of a sustainability and agricultural topic. Yeah, I mean, it, it sounded like a good time, but it's been vetoed. We've decided to go against it. Um, but I guess I will say this. Out of taking a few things out of that, the future is coming, and we got to be careful. we got to be ready for it and, uh, you know, have our best practices going forward. I think, that, I think that's what it really comes down to, Jim, is that, you know, the, the future is coming. The, I mean, future, the future is now. Is now. Yeah, but in, I'm talking in the next few decades. Like, we've got to be careful. Otherwise, The know, future just keeps coming. That's the thing about the future. Is it just, yeah. It doesn't stop. It it's, doesn't stop, but it does. Uh, so when you, no. when, when you look at, like, logarithmic charts and, like, okay. the exponential curves and stuff, like, it's going to take off here pretty oh. quick with... Uh, sustainability in terms of like the oceans. Just watching this one thing, I sent you, I sent it to you, man, sir, um, about how the oceans with commercial fishing by like 2060, like they're gonna be out of fish. Like it's not gonna be a, there's not gonna be a fish market. And then you start looking at sustainability with plants and crops. Mm -hmm. We've got to produce. Our farming methods are destroying the soil. Mm -hmm. They are. And you got the issue with water, too, with a lot of places when we talk about Dust Bowl. And that's that um, app harvest place I was telling you guys about, the future of farming. And that, you look it up. It's, uh, they actually just went public. They, they uh, joined forces with another company and then you know went public their for their initial ipo well, what you got you gotta you, so they've taken something that actually draws down carbon out of the atmosphere which is the plant life biome you know with regard to at the way agriculture is practiced um and they've taken the diversity out of the land where they're only monocrops huge swaths of land dedicated solely to growing one crop uh, and using a lot of pesticides to make it more efficient, the immediate uh, production to increase the yield. Right, but, whereas this method, it requires no pesticides. It actually uses uh, a third of the water, and it creates three times the yield. Yeah, so there's different ways. But, I mean, there's the way to get back to a more sustainable way of uh, taking care of the land where it actually keeps sucking carbon out of the atmosphere is you need to have, you know, cattle grazing, first of all. You can't have cattle separated because then that become, that methane gas from cows is something that can contribute to carbon emissions. But in reality, if they're healthy and they're grazing land in a manner where they're not overgrazing the same parcel and to the detriment of the soil underneath and the biodiversity. Trees breathe it in. Tree and trees and plants. All of them, yeah. Know? Yeah. So. I mean, you know, really it's like people think that. Bioorganic. It, yeah. Local. People think that it's the forests and, you know, really it's not the forests that create oxygen for us. You know what it is? It's actually microbes that are in water. In, soil. in water. Microbes in yeah. water. That's why if you were to go down deep in a cave where there and there's water and stuff like that and you see stalagmites and these stuff and there's actually microbes in there that create oxygen. That's why they can breathe down there and go deep in these caves and 
you know, there's oxygen is created by microbes, you know? Yeah, so I think to start, everyone could start just recycling, you know, more responsibly. And then, you know, buy uh, foods that are local or organic, you know, and then it's going to be better for the body, too. One of the, the really negative adverse effects from... Uh, pesticides is that glyphosate, which is predominantly in a Roundup type pesticides, when you overuse that, it, it, it hinders the human immune system. So this guy, Zach Bush, um, medical doctor, years ago was predicting a, a viral outbreak coming out of Wuhan, China, which is where COVID-19 came from. And specifically, he said, because it's the heaviest use of glyphosate in the entire world. And there's so many people there that it's inevitable that given a, a large, densely packed population of people with hindered immune systems, you're going to reach a point where it's just a, a Petri dish for the next viral outbreak because everything's going to evolve that much faster and an outbreak will occur. And it did, and he was right, and that's exactly what he was talking So it's all tied together, the sustainable farming and the food that we eat and taking care of ourselves. And then at the opposite end of the spectrum is this monoculture approach when you're, you're you're putting poisons on everything that you eat basically you just keep the bugs off of it which you don't want to kill the bugs because that's all it's all interconnected you know part of the ecosystem um it's it's lazy but for a hundred years i mean that's been the way that we fed so many people is farming that way but we're getting to the point where we have so many people where it's not sustainable anymore and what's happening all across the entire planet is desertification uh every continent except maybe antarctica has got some example of desert you can look at the sahara desert and that's yeah. getting bigger you look at the Midwest, you know, all of the farmlands in the United the States. The Gobi Desert in China. The, when you look right there. China. <laughs> yeah. It, well, I'm just saying it's actually, they actually go out of their way to try and replant trees yeah. and stuff to yeah. keep the desert from keeping. Yeah, you know, and they've from, done a from, re, over, at bay. and interestingly, over the last 20, 30 years, they've done a really good job of actually increasing the, the plant biome. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and using it in a way that it's fed a lot of people and it's brought a lot of people out of poverty into the middle class. If you look at They've that actually spot, done some good there. I, I think that's where it once got hit with a major asteroid. And, you know, that's what was left right there. And what, that's the why there's no life. Yeah. Yeah. That was an asteroid strike. So get your gut biome right. Eat right. Don't eat <clears throat> as much meat, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Here's the bigger picture there, man. It. it and I watched a couple of these documentaries on, on the sustainability and, and kiss whatnot. the dirt. Yeah. Highly recommend it. So, did you watch that one? One of the things, one of the statistics they gave out was by 2050, we need to produce 50 times the food we do now. Yeah. And so, when, and so here's the issue. And, and you look at livestock and cattle. Another statistic they threw out was how 90% of the Amazonian rainforest deforestation. Is for cattle, because they're just keep trying to feed more people. Yeah. And and, uh, the, and the is it the Indians? They the cows are holy. You don't touch. Maybe they learned something ages and ages ago. What grows in the dung of a multi-stomached animal? <laughs> oh, no. well, so they've got all those little. We, I'm just we saying, why are, just we already know. why are they holy from a long time ago? When yeah, we followed them around because they were our life. They well, fed us and their manure. It's not even that. It's not the meat that you want to eat. That's besides the point. It's the the manure is so good for soil because there it's <laughs> just a walking it, yeah. bacteria colony. Yeah, that mm-hmm. too. Yeah, 
Like you need the skin for clothes. I mean, if you're a Native American, I mean, they yeah. hunt the buffalo. They needed the skin for clothes. But they didn't over harvest. Yeah. No, they they were smart about it. They didn't just but go out there and kill them. And that's they a tragedy. They used, and they used every part yeah. of the what, animal. Yeah. What yeah. we did to the buffalo population specifically, so that at, so it would be detrimental to the Native Americans, they would have food food sources and they'd have to move. Was we basically eradicated the buffalo. Yeah. Have you guys seen those pictures of like a mountain of buffalo skulls yeah. Yeah. piled on each other? And fucking all Think the skins. That. They just took them for the skins and then would yeah. just leave the rest of the animal. Wouldn't even. They just harvested the skins. Everything in moderation. That wasn't in moderation. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy. Uh, one of the things with the fishing, when we talk about the oceans, so I, I never quite thought about this, but you know, with net fitting, with, with net fishing, they drop a big ass net, right? Imagine like a big like balloon looking thing coming through the water, and think of all the like the species that they. And not, some of those nets aren't they like a mile long? Oh, they're massive, and and this pulls in every kind of fish, not just the fish they're looking mm. for, and those end up dying. So that's what when we're talking about like. Deserts in the ocean, big dead areas where there's no like you know, dead fish zones. Life, dead zones. That it's because they're throwing off the uh, ecosystem so much with fish. Because if one kind of fish species gets in super low levels, well, then they're going to throw it off in the... Well, and it gets worse because what happens in the ocean is it, it creates the dead zone. And what that is basically is it's, it's an anoxic region of water with yeah, no oxygen right. in it, it that dead. life won't come back to it's dead yeah uh, it takes ages and ages to, re to restore itself and uh there was actually one off the coast of oregon like a decade ago and i, I haven't checked on the status of it yet but there's a big drive by different nonprofits to, to raise awareness about like hey look at this dead zone on, yeah. at our front door yeah where it's just a whole you know decimated swath of water that's been you know Nothing can live there anymore. It's really hard to fish for a bunch of people without using big nets. And no one's brought awareness to this issue of pulling in on sharks. You're saying 30 to 40 million sharks a year die that way, let alone with the shark fin soup stuff. Um, but, yeah, just because they're pulling up all these different kinds of fish and, and whatnot, and it is a big issue. So we've got that issue. We've got the water table issue. When we talk about these places being like deserts and blowing away and whatnot, mm -hmm. well, yeah, it, every year it's been drier and drier. California yeah. gets... And part it, of what's happening in the Sahara has to do with the Amazon. Yeah. The, wi the wind patterns and the weather patterns change with the deforestation, and that has effects on continents across yeah. the ocean. It's but, all interconnected. But in general, everything is getting drier because of this stuff. We're and doing. the drier, and the, the tragic thing about it is, as things get drier, it reduces the Earth's uh, ability to actually draw carbon out of the atmosphere. So what we're doing is we're creating this positive feedback cycle that's yeah. actually negative. It's getting out of control. In where yeah. we're pumping more carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere while ruining the Earth's ability to get it out. So the only long-term sustainable approach is if we make it, we set a table or we set a timetable to reach a global carbon drawdown where because it, it's not going to be enough to just completely curb carbon emissions there's a leg what they call a legacy load of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere from hundreds of years since the industrial revolution when we were just pumping tons and tons of it up there it's still up there yeah and so until we actually start to lower that not just like stop it's not enough to just stop putting it up there we actually have to start drawing it back out of the atmosphere and sequestering it and uh, thus far, we don't have any man-made technologies that can do a better job than... So I saw a statistic 
uh, that, uh, something like a an acre of soil can take something like 20 times more carbon out of the atmosphere, healthy soil, than can uh, a, an acre of trees. There's I mean, a it's lot just, of, it's yeah. absurd. So like even planting trees isn't going to do it, you know, and, and there's no technology that's better. It's, it's you got to take health, care of the he- land. Healthy soil is we what need, you're saying. Well, we need to go back to a Garden of Eden type biome. That would that would fix it, but how do you get there? You know, not while we're we're taking bad, unsustainable agricultural and uh, practices. In good soil, there's a ton of biomass, different microorganisms, right? You got mycelium yeah. from mushrooms. Yeah, you, fungus. You, you got bugs. You got I bacteria. Mean, yeah, a lot of biomass. Everything you need. Yeah. And the problem is everything when you, you need. When you lose good soil, you lose all those other you know benefits. Well, and that's of why it's, they can't keep you, the Roundup. And, and you know, it's interesting about Roundup glyphosate, the chemical in it, that's the pesticide. Uh, it was created by a guy Fritz Haber that um, it was a major breakthrough because it's a synthetic. Uh, that it, he also helped engineer synthetic uh, nitrogen as a fertilizer. So that they could take like you know barren land and just try to grow food on it, as my understanding. And um, he was heralded as as helping. But he all, incidentally he also brought about uh, the gas that they used in the Holocaust. Mm. Um, so I mean, and then after the the Great War, they basically there was a, a just a motherload of all this stuff lying around these poisons that the glyphosate and it got rebranded uh, by Dow Industries as uh, Roundup. Basically, and then it, it and then we went through this phrase of just you know farming the heck out of everything, and that what that's what led to the Dust Bowl inevitably in the 30s, 20s, the 20s. Anyway. That's what I used out here, is a little glyphosate. It works, yeah, yeah, it is. Well, I mean, here's the and when I but it causes like, cancer, yeah, and it gets into everything, it's in drinking water, it's and the food you eat gets in your body. But that's all around us. And not saying that that's not an issue, but yeah. looking at some of the shit we eat, I was looking at... I was, glyphosate gets in the food that you eat because of that. I'm just saying there's a whole lot of chemicals that we don't even have the research on long-term that could be doing devastating things to us. I was watching or reading an article saying that a main ingredient in a lot of these hand sanitizers is cancer-causing, mm. like similar to something like that. Um, well, a, why do people have to keep their hands so sanitized? Just wear some gloves, right. Glenn, if you have spray some glyphosate. Just, mean, yeah. uh, you know? What's wrong with being dirty? When they're Maybe killing, they're you. killing a lot of good bacteria. That's just the reality of it is when you overwash yourself, you kill good bacteria. Yeah. I'm not saying you shouldn't be clean. One of the uh, one of the things they recommend for people that have eczema or some sort of like skin irritation don't bathe as much don't or, or if you are rinse don't necessarily use a lot of soap and if you do because you, you're really stinky and you got to get clean <laughs> just like your pits your, your genitals you know hit, hit yeah. the bad spots yeah. but then uh, you know don't cover your entire body in soap once or twice a day it's terrible for your skin and it's not good for your health yep yeah, it's coming down the road. I'm telling you, because we got to deal with the fishing issue here with the seas. We got to deal with how we're going to feed so many more people, and then we got to deal with global warming to some regard. And the bigger issue, or the thing that puts out more methane into the atmosphere, which is like 90 times more potent than CO2, and that is is livestock. 
But that's kind of a myth because it's the way that they treat livestock that causes that environment. If it's if it's done in a manner where they're not all like densely packed on top of each other, separated from the the land, no, the agriculture. No, it's, it's gas. It's gas from the animal. And, and I don't care if you do that on a farm here with only twenty cows, or if you do that large large scale. It just depends on how many cows you got. Pump out, you know, the methane. And if you're not going to take away the cow, I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to you can well, make... they, what, the problem is they decoupled agriculture and uh, and livestock. So what, it, it used to be that they weren't separated, right? So they'd How be on so? This, so like you'd have grazing animals, and they'd move it, the, and they'd move them. Nomadic human nomadic tribes would just the, the animals would move with them, right? Yeah, right. So it wouldn't it wouldn't be at the detriment of the land itself, but. When you take the livestock and you remove them from that, where they, they're part of an ecosystem, they keep the soil healthy with their manure and whatnot, um, and you just put them in, in, you lock them up, basically, and you just feed them corn constantly with glyphosate in right, it, basically. And then it's in the meat they eat, too. Um, that's what leads to, that's where you take another thing that's part of a positive net carbon drawdown environment ecosystem, and you actually, you compound the problem by making it its own new but, contributor yeah. to, car, to to gas in the atmosphere. And before that, you're compounding it in that we've probably got 10, 30, 20, 30 times more of that animal than we would naturally. Yeah. And then you have this, this uh, then the government will kind of subsidize livestock and farming in the way that it's practiced to keep it afloat so they can feed enough right, people right. and keep the prices right. Uh, but then it just serves to keep the system going the way that it's already going and it's not going in the right direction. Yeah, you and just, farmers don't have like the way farm. You don't make any money running farms nowadays, right? So that's not also not sustainable financially for the working class either. Yeah, it's it's, it's just a band aid. America's corporation fed. If you think of the average American or average person on, on the planet here, maybe not that. But well, point being is like, who, where does the meat come from at McDonald's, right? They're coming from the worst possible conditions for the cheapest meat. Yeah. Um, so it's like business corporation mindset when you get to that level. And that's where most of the meat and stuff is consumed, I think. I mean, it's not like necessarily store-bought, like you go in and buy a steak. But a lot of issues coming up with that. Hopefully, you know, the great thing about man is he, he just the innovation curve he, he's got. Hopefully we can outpace it. Yeah. And she's got, you know, hey, not man. to be uh, <laughs> Amen. And all women. politically correct because God knows I hate that. But there are a lot of women inventors out there, too, and uh, scientists and doctors and, you know, doing good stuff, too. So we don't want to leave you out. Anyways, uh, you know, we're going to take a quick break, but uh, catch us when we come back. That's some good stuff. I think you should give us a yeah. something fun. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Jim, Joe, and Glenn show. Glenn's got something special for us this week. We he, got wants, he wants to do it every week. <laughs> we got and so uh, here he is. The Jim, Joe, and Glenn show, pet of the week. <laughs> and this week it's Friday at the Humane Society Green Hill. Can somebody adopt Friday? She's a 
Friday. That's a good. That's lot a good of, pet name. Oh, ten, Friday. Ten-year-old cat, black cat. A uh, lot of life left in her, though. Uh, she's available, and doesn't like other cats or dogs. Mm. So, but probably fine with kids. <clears throat> You can make a you can make a cat kind of be open to anything over time. Um, you know, animals are pretty. Uh, uh, man, you know, they can, they can change up their habits and stuff. I'm telling you, I've had cats now for maybe a month, two months. They are fine animals. Cats are good animals. Feline, I've owned cats, animals. dogs. <clears throat> yeah. I don't really even have a preference. You know, a lot I, of people I, nowadays are taking their cats hiking with them. Yep. I don't have a cat. But my daughter has one that well, you you're know, allergic, aren't you? Uh, yeah, but I still like her cat, and her cat loves me, and yeah. you know, and uh, so I mean, but I just can't have one myself because yeah, I'm allergic to them. But I do like them. I like other people's cats. <laughs> cats are good. Yeah, I think the thing that makes a cat a little bit different is outside. You just never really know with a cat. You know, it's not like you can go hiking. You mentioned hiking, but yeah, the people have a cat backpack on yeah. and have leashes. You can't really just let a cat hang out, you know, within 10, 15 feet and stay with you. Right? They would just hang out in one spot. They wouldn't follow you. I took my dog hiking the other day, and it was it was interesting because she's off leash, and she's just got a little beeper if I need to call her back. Uh, and we went to this spot that there's, like, big downed logs, that they that recently that they'd had to like put steps on tiny little wooden planks like nailed into the log so you could actually climb over it. I'm talking like it's on its side and it's still like four feet high, right? Actually like five feet high. Um and, and there's two instances like that and one one instance is smaller logs but they were like right next to each other. They fell so you had to kinda like cross the gap. There's some gym, gymnastic stuff. You couldn't really go around it. And I, I couldn't really figure out how I was gonna get Luna, my dog, over the log and uh the big one especially so i just i start climbing it and as i'm about to hop over she just jumped right up there like climbed up it with her claws and then just went over but on the way back she didn't she was she was kind of worn out by then so i actually put her on top of it it's interesting that's but, yeah, impressive. It's fun. It was fun. impressive feet yeah. yeah she went right i mean it was imp i wish i would have got it on camera no one believe me i'm telling you dogs I, it's great to have dogs like that i always tell the funny story uh, when, when Bear was young and I was kind of training him off leash, you know, in the forested areas up where I lived at the time in uh, Spokane. And uh, whenever I'd hear people up ahead, I'd go, Bear, let's go, Bear, you know, Bear. You know, I'd call his name and look at him come right now. <laughs> and these hikers and stuff would always pass me and give me these dirty looks. He's off leash. Ooh. No, not necessarily that. It was, I finally clicked them one time because I caught myself and, I was in kind of a creepy area of a forest, and I was like, bear, bear, and I got thinking, <laughs> and that's what you do if you see a bear, yeah. right? You go, bear, you know, oh, to just no. kind of scare it away. You had no idea. Did and these hikers were like, are they fucking with us, right? <laughs> then they figure it out. Funny. Yeah, then they feel dumb. Yeah. Imagine having a cat named Bear out there. You know, you're like, no, dude, it's my dog, dumb, dumb. Bear. Bear. bear bear he looks like a bear he's a big bear that's funny there is technically Dude. a bear in those woods he's a bear bear yeah bears are crazy animals right i mean it, they'll yeah. eat anything too well um, you did you don't fuck with a, a ten thousand pound grizzly bear man i'm telling you i don't know if they weigh that much but well they, i wouldn't want to know if they did yeah that's for sure i'm telling you big animals they sure are um 
You seen that Timothy Treadmill Treadwell documentary? Is that the guy who lived with Barry? Grizzly Man or whatever yeah, it's called. That's awesome. And then they one one like kind of scrawny older one that Killed can't get him. food. It's like late hibernation season. Yeah. Ate him. Ate him. Yeah, I'm sure it did. They had to kill the. They had to. Fish and Wildlife people came out in Alaska, and they they had to come out kill this bear. It's still like eating on him when they get with it. And, <laughs> we don't know that. Well, no, I think it was. It was still eating on him, just like little what was left. And uh, they actually had to kill the bear, take it back, dissect it, and open up its belly to get because the, their remains were in the contents of the bear. Two people, their remains were in the the, the contents of the bear's stomach. Ooh. So, and the guy in the documentary, the guy that had that job, uh, what do they call that? <laughs> they looked in the stomach. Yeah, what do they call that? At a morgue or whatever, the autopsy dude. Yeah. yeah. A coroner. Uh, he was a strange cat, man. The way he explained it was just so odd. It's like, that's a good job for you. You found the right spot. <laughs> it's like some people just like, they fit their jobs. Or it's something weird like that. He's explaining mortician. It. He's or... got these gloves that go up to his shoulders, you know. Fishing around in a dead bear's belly for human reasons. Oh, God. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't feel, we'll take bear spray. <clears throat> so bear spray. Supposedly that's good. That's better than having a oh, gun yeah, on it. Oh yeah, for sure. Absolutely, that's gonna take you out. Yeah. Absolutely, you're not gonna be able to do anything. They're saying work. if you got a bear charging you from 20 yards away, yeah, your odds are better at pulling the bear spray and hitting it than pulling a gun. Absolutely. Hey, so not to change the subject, but to change the subject, you know, talk about bear spray. That sounds like a name of some really good chronic marijuana. <laughs> You know, you had some shit that just hit you in the face or, like, made your eyes water or something like that yeah. real bad. I don't God. smoke. You call it bear spray. My God, you're on to something there, Joe. Uh, bear spray. You always got something. I know. Well, hey, so to talk, uh, Glenn, yeah, bear spray is good. Adopt Friday, so, cat. So we, pet of the we, week. Yeah, pet, pet of the week. Pet of the week. Love <laughs> it. Yep. I don't Can know. we get we, that cat we, adopted we little, by next podcast? That was quite a segue that, we, that you went on there, but. To, to bear spray from pet of the week but okay we got so, there anyways let's talk a little bit about uh, some chronics there so you know me myself uh i had joe damato i've been smoking a little chronic uh for quite some time Do you like the sativa or the indica i prefer the sativa and that's the one that but there is times when i do like indica to relax. Yes, if I want to go to sleep, you know. Do you smoke a mild, a hybrid, or do you? Uh, no, I, I prefer one or the other, but I will do a hybrid if it lean, leans one way more or the other, you know. What's bad? Uh, flour, do you like? Flour is probably juices, preference. Edible. Flour would be, would be preference. Yeah, it's interesting this day with everything's vaped up, and you know, I've been hitting CBD out of a vape. Sometimes I'll put some nicotine in it, but for the most part, CBD and uh I just think, like, man, why? They, I mean, they can't figure out some sort of tincture to vape that's the perfect type of marijuana for anyone. You know, you take a you pen prick off your finger or something, they're like, this is the weed you need. We don't have that down to that level of science, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think it's more so like what you're looking for, you know, out of it. I mean, we talk about sativa, indica, all that stuff. What I love about the age we live in, and now that it's legal and whatnot, is if you are out there looking for some, you can fine tune it because they've got these profiles about what the what the oh, effects yeah. are gonna do. The smells. Um, what's that other thing called? Terpenes. The terpenes. Yeah. Yeah. All the different fla- like smells. And they're and saying that and can stuff. affect it the high oh, yeah. more than some of this other shit that they always put yeah. on the box. 
again, it's a brain chemical, tetrahydrocannabinol, yeah. and there's the THC, and then there's CBD. And then there's other, there's CBG. Yeah. There's different types of cannabidiol, or whatever you call it, cannabidiol. And, and a lot of data on its impacts on our health, of what it can do, and CBD being something that can you know, help brains like rewire again after injuries and, and the neuroplasticity and stuff. There's all sorts of data on that now. What's interesting is I still run into people every now and then that they're trying to curb their appetite for marijuana. Like, cause, so it's another thing where you can overdo it. It's just, it doesn't, when you overdo it, it doesn't have the same uh, deterious effects as some other uh, substances might. So it's like, if you do a lot of Coke or heroin, obviously you drink a lot, you know, you got cirrhosis of the liver, but with marijuana, since it doesn't have any of those drawbacks, people can still get to a place where maybe they overuse it. I don't know. What's your guys' take on that? Does that require moderation? Everything mm -hmm. requires. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, Joe. <laughs> I would say, yeah, it does require moderation. Yeah, everything does. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, though, it's like, you know, if it's something you want to do and it, it makes you feel better, like actually, you know, emotionally physically all that stuff i mean look at medical a lot of people well, and that do. and that, that would then there be the question is to the what extent would it make you feel better and what for what sure does? for sure and, and also it's subjective like what really is making you feel better maybe yeah. people need something different. well you could always you i'm sure there's functioning co coke addict crack addicts whatever yeah. you know hmm. like it makes me feel better and more productive yeah but you're right there is no real long-term side effects uh, from what we've you know studied and researched, and we've got more information on that than we got coke. Yeah, the story of how marijuana became uh, kind of demonized uh, with regard to advertising is pretty interesting. One, are you guys super familiar with that? Mm, what was the movie called? It was Reefer Madness. Yeah. So that all came yeah. about, and I'm gonna do the Cliff Notes version because I don't have all the details in front of me. But basically, uh, this dude was worried it was gonna. Uh, be a, a, a competitor this hemp paper was way more durable and easy to produce than than the type of paper he was selling traditional paper and so he went not because of the high or the drug aspect or anything just the the ability for them to use hemp as paper was the sole this inspiration for this guy i can't remember his name but he, he's got like a place named after him in california um he, he so he went on a propaganda campaign against the stuff so it wouldn't be people couldn't use it the hemp industry anymore uh, to compete with them because it was going to ruin his wealth and so then they came up with reefer madness devil's lettuce you know all these scare tactics and, and then that once that kind of hit that wasn't kind of ingrained in the the psyche of society and then we got nixon's war on drugs lo and behold all this data later we understand that like the war on drugs was unsuccessful it was a waste of resources and time and money you know pretty sad to see that. but you well, see how that sort of so it first became illegal we're talking about marijuana here was when right after the uh, prohibition of alcohol you had these bureaus um uh, i can't think of their names i don't know the details here ATF? but um i think so yeah and they alcohol, were yeah they had built up these huge departments right and people have spent their careers in this like top guys up there and so he made an issue of it because once alcohol was allowed again, they needed something to basically keep all their jobs. And it was marijuana, right? I mean, that was the drug they were going after. Um, and that's kind of what started the whole process. Well, they, they pushed it because for the war effort because they wanted hemp. So it was, there was also a video that came out called Hemp for Victory. 
and they wanted farmers, American farmers, to grow hemp to help with the war effort in World War II. You know. Yeah, someone was telling me the first Model T, I think, was made. <laughs> the sides of it were made out of hemp. Well, something about there was something about that. Supposedly, Henry Ford, what he did was built a Model T that could run that off of methane gas that he derived from hemp. We figured it out, guys. Yeah, and lo and all these years later. That's supposedly what it is. So, you know, and so the plant can, you know, f- make fuel. It can make fiber. You know, you can make clothes with it. It actually can be used as food. You know, so I mean, Good it does products. have it has amazing plan, multiple uses. Amazing yeah. plan to it's see too, in person. Amazing because it's yeah. too easy to grow. Because the you seed know, husks can it, be food. It's know? difficult to grow good stuff that's going to get people really high, or maybe it's a little more difficult. But if you're just growing hemp, it's a weed basically, and it'll grow. You know, in in, in the wild, it'll just grow. So that what they were threatened by the competitive aspects to. So this thing that's easy to grow that can be used in all these various forms, whether it's like rope or clothes or paper or like the car body um, and fuel, and then it's and, and it's durable. So then yeah. it's products that don't need to be replaced as often. Right. So there's less money to be made on it. And more people can do it. Yeah, and then, of course, they didn't want to do that. And so, you know, you had like the Rockefellers. I mean, we're going to get a little conspiracy theory here, but you had the Rockefellers that... Uh, you know, came in and turned everything petroleum-based, you know what I mean? Didn't want us to use herbal medicines anymore and, like, you know, made a huge effort in trying to get rid of uh, remedies, you know, that worked in the past and stuff like that. Well, and you see that. You see a lot of these, like, really bad drugs start off as treatments, like, you know, uh, amphetamines and stuff, and then it turns into an illegal drug after, but originally it was a therapeutic drug. I think there's opiate, obviously opiates have that. that well, that's way. just heroin. You know, that's yeah. just what that is. Morphine, you know. Yeah, that's just concentrated. But now you have fentanyl, which is, you know, completely synthetic. synthetic. morphine, yeah, yeah. Super strong. Good stuff. You should all try it. Oh, God. <laughs> you know, just the little slightest bit will kill you. Well, listen, it's... I was it, I would say it's better to take a plant, even if you got to smoke a plant, than it is to take some prescription drugs. Agree. Correct. I think that the herbs are huge, and I and I feel like, you know, it's a medicinal herb, you know, that like a lot of other medicinal herbs yeah. out there. So I got acupuncture just, the other there's day. There's a lot of them oh, out that, there. Isn't that great? Oh. I did. There's medicinal roots. There's medicinal mushrooms. I mean, these so are things that are. We're talking medicine. Medicinal. Yeah. 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 I was surprised. Acupuncture. I walked out of that session having no back pain for the first time in a long time. And it slowly crept back, and I'm feeling it again today. But I think after some more sessions of acupuncture, and think of that. And I've, I'm a skeptic. Like, people talk chiropractor, and I'm like, okay, but here's the problem with chiropractor. Every time you see a chiropractor, they're also going to tell you to get massage, and they're going to throw all this other treatment at you. Because chiropractics themselves don't necessarily – everyone I've ever known that uses a chiropractor, they go to a chiropractor for years. So it's not really fixing anything, right? You know, you can take your car to a mechanic. He fixes something, and you get going. Not so with chiropractor. So I'm a skeptic, right? I want everyone to understand where I'm coming from when I talk about acupuncture, okay? But this stuff, it I'm going to, it's trial phase. I'll have to talk about it next week, too. Um, just, we'll have a, an acupuncture segment, and we'll we'll, we'll track <laughs> my progress. We're going to acupuncture 
you. Well, well here's the thing. Your body has inner, planes of energy. Intention and Chief. stuff is energy, right? When you have you got you know a back problem or something, that's just negative energy like caught up in there, right? Um, and, and you need to release it. And I think acu acupuncture is a great way to not only do that through the skin. But Chinese medicine, they also they do the herbs. Yeah, it's all you know. it's all you know viable stuff for sure. Is some of it placebo? Sure, but that's with everything. That is with everything. That is with all. Well, we, they've shown in clinical trials on uh, antidepressants, specifically, I think it was uh, bupropion. What's that the chemical name for? Uh, I well, butrin, I think. And uh, that and its FDA clinical trial, it actually per, uh, it underperformed against placebo, <laughs> which means that <laughs> for people listening that don't understand like the, the clinical trial terminology that they'll give when they do when they try to pass drugs like that, They'll do like double blind uh, placebo trials where they give the people that are administering the drug to the to the control group and to the, the other group. They don't know whether they're giving the, the actual drug or not so that they're blind. And then the person getting it doesn't know if they're getting the actual drug or the placebo placebo being the fake one. So neither the administer. So it's just a control for any room for air. They administer like giving the drug somehow, you know, walking into the room like he knows what they're giving him and they, they glean something so it controls for all that. And it showed that in the statistics, the placebo in, that, the, in the same trial that the FDA used to approve that drug for depression, d the placebo did better than the antidepressant. <laughs> Probably statistical phenomena there, or uh, you know, st statistical noise, I think you that would is call just it. Funny, but still, though. I know what you're saying. Like a lot of this stuff, it's, it's on the same par as placebo. It's not doing anything. Well, and it's, it's not necessarily, I believe, my personal belief is that it's not necessarily a commentary on maybe the the lack of therapeutic benefit in, in, inherent in whatever drug that they're they're testing right for placebo to be just as strong or nearly as strong or maybe in some instances stronger in its effect but it's more of a commentary on the power of the the human spirit where and, and there's another thing yeah, that they talk yeah. about more in like maybe um the psycho psychology forums and stuff but it, there's a locus of self-control and when you have an external lo locus of self-control it's going to be someone that looks for some sort of medication or something taken from without and that could be marijuana too uh, that's going to make them feel better and that's where it could be just that 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 allows as a medium to for their own locus of self-control to travel through externally and their own human spirit to then be, be the driving the engine behind whatever therapeutic benefits derived now an internal locus of self-control is when you know, you feel like you're in control of your, of your, of everything, you know, and that's that's something that and we could get into talks on society and stuff. But it's something that, <laughs> uh, honestly, in this age where you got a drug for everything and you've got uh, all these treatments on every corner that they want to sell, you want to get you in there and take your money. Um, not saying that that's bad because a lot of it's got great therapeutic benefit. And hey, if you got nothing else and, and it's not working for you and you're not doing it yourself, by, by all means, take the pills, you know, so I'm not talking bad about any of that, but something to look into there that's all i'm saying food for thought yeah the whole placebo thing man it, it's, it's not, too it's it not, gets a dirty word it shouldn't be get the rap that it does yeah it, it shows how how powerful the human the mind, human mind is. yeah the human spirit it's, it's interaction with our physical body it's you like, just gotta believe is the key i think that for is it sure. I, I mean we yeah. are the creators of our own world right yep. we create the we create we our own destiny reality too yeah. i think there's a collective consciousness though that that ties in but our own bodies i think we have 100 percent control over what's going on 
if yeah. we know what to do. And I think Eastern medicine kind of, they, they target that. Like, mm. you have control. Do these things and whatnot. This will help you, but you do have control. And you don't need, you know, these other things. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and people get ideas that just stick with them. And it's that, that what you're talking about, kind of how that stress will sort of manifest in the body. And it's, it becomes psychosomatic. Yeah. Where it's not to say that it's not there. It's just that it, where it starts might it may have, you completely missed it. You know, and then all, all these years later, you've got some physical ailment that, and you can't track it down. You go to a chiropractor or whatever, but it's not really fixing the problem. Yeah, there's a big problem, I think, at least here in the Western world, that we mindfulness and like meditation, like that's not something that's like taught in school. And I think that's really important to your mind and to your body, right? You can exercise and do all that. But unless you kind of know how to walk yourself through a, a guided meditation kind of per se, then you're going to have issues. Yeah. And I think if you can meditate on a problem, you can figure it out naturally. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, like acupuncture and stuff where if, if you're in a me good meditative state when doing that, which you are because you get all these weird sensations, little needle pricks, you know, it can take you to a deeper spot and you can really solve some issues with some of that. And, and even just the other thing of meditation, it's, it's not just the fact that you're you're going to discover something, you know, because there's Buddhists and they'll meditate on certain lessons and come to some deeper meaning. But there's also just the idea of like taking a moment just to have a moment where we're wired to just keep going all day. And then, you know, free time becomes more scarce depending on how much you work and what you're doing and all the stress and taking care of all your responsibilities in life. That just the the idea of just taking a moment just to yourself, not a TV in front of you, because we all have time. Like we all watch TV, movies, whatnot, listen to music. So it's not like we don't have free time. Uh, but that sort of space that you enter, in which it is just the internal world, and that 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 being able to just unplug and plug into that, I think, is all the benefit in the world too. Well, stress is a huge player into physical problems, right? And, and emotional and problems and stuff too. It's stress levels. And it's like, we're so anxious all the time because we have to be doing something. You yeah. know, we have to be either, like you said, watching TV or playing a video mm -hmm. game or we all go eat some food. We're so anxious in that it causes all sorts of issues with the body. Well, it all um, is just like a runaway train and it's exacerbated by social media. Yeah, and then you start yeah. feeling like, because you're always plugged into everything everyone else is doing all the times if you allow yourself to be. And then yeah. it, it becomes this thing where you're just kind of sitting around and you're like, well, why am I not on a party boat? You know, you eat living yourself it up in Cancun. Up. You eat yourself up. Yeah. yeah. It's a huge it, mental problem. No one ever yeah. stops, or not as many people stop to maybe consider, like, are those people actually as happy as they look in their pictures? Yeah. You know, that are all filtered and they're perfect angle and they had to take the photo five times. You know, and then that what that's what leads to people feeling as though like I've got to be doing something right now. Like what? And, the, and people take picture of the food that they eat. What, I'm gonna get carried away. For but. sure, people do get carried away. Am I the only that. person? That's, we're all tired of that, right? Oh, absolutely. Well, the food thing is like if you're doing that anymore, I, I don't think is I, that played out. Yeah, I think that's played out. But uh, at, like selfies, like I look on people's Instagrams and they got all these like everyone's a selfie. I'm like, what type of mental disorder do you have? Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. And the, the, some of the most uh, attractive people on Instagram, that's their livelihood. I understand why they're doing it, but it's still like you kind of peer into that psyche a little bit. And you're yeah. like, I don't know if that's a space that I want to yeah. occupy. Right. You know, 
they're not real <laughs> sure of themselves and they yeah. need to do that for some reason and, and it's just a weird world we live in when you when look at hollywood look that. at actors yeah. look at a lot of famous people and they're just so riddled with defects psychologically that yeah. stick with them for years you know child actors that's always right. been, that's been the the thing that yeah. people talk about yeah take time for your spouse yourself meditate yeah, go adopt that sure. cat friday go adopt that cat well hey we hope you enjoyed the show tonight it's been a great one and uh we've really enjoyed talking about uh friday the cat and uh some topics. sustainable agriculture and yeah what are we gonna do with the ocean and dead zones and all these great some things. marijuana talk and like, catch up with us next week eat? like i said to start with a lot of topics and they've all been covered will join us next week and uh jim kirk joe damato glenn